0: Welcome to Elevating the Customer Experience, a podcast from Nuance. In this series, we explore how organizations can better manage customer engagement amid disruption. I'm your host, Jeff Large. Today's episode is the second of a three-part interview with guest speaker from Forrester Research, Art Scholler. If you haven't listened to the first episode yet, Art discusses what the strategic response to the current challenges should be and the importance for every company to be agile, authentic, and strong communicators. It's well worth the listen. In this episode, Art discusses many of the solutions and best practices you probably already have at your disposal. He gets specific about how to overcome the challenges of home-based agents and leveraging workforce management systems. We pick up our conversation exploring the question of how to leverage technology while also remaining human for our customers and employees. It sounds like, as I hear you speak, it sounds like there's a tension that you have to operate in between, where it is sort of being able to scale to this demand, which feels like traditionally we handle through things like technology or automation. But on the other hand, there's a very real, like, empathy we need to keep up with our customers. um, And sometimes that does take the human voice. Have you found a sweet spot? Are there businesses finding, organizations finding, like what that, that sort of magic in between is? Because you, you mentioned that we have some leniency, but we don't want to abuse it at the same time.
1: That's right. And then we maybe try to talk about percentages and what stuff goes to self-service and what goes stuff goes to voice. I think we can right now kind of throw a number of those percentages out the window because in this environment, there's so much fear. And in the midst of that fear, yes, a warm human voice certainly would be preferred, but if it looks like it's going to be a long time in queue. I mean, my own bank is putting on my website that warning, it's gonna take a long time for us to answer your calls. So they're letting me know that if you're still fearful and you wanna answer your question, make an extra effort to kinda see what the self-service tools such as the website, such as the chatbot, such as the mobile application can do. So there's gonna be a deflection here simply because There's just so much traffic and organizations are struggling with even coming close to or or just some are just not meeting their service levels now in terms of the kind of traffic that's coming in queue for voice. Mm -hmm. Consumers, if they can get a good, solid answer and if the self-service tools do that quickly, well, hey, that's great. And if it's something special because of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, even better because this is a new question. And I got my answer quickly. So they'll be happy if they get it quickly. That's always the thing with self-service. But if self-service runs out of gas, I need to interact either digitally digitally with an agent in the contact center or call and use a voice connection. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So it, it definitely, you didn't say this overtly, but it sounds like being able to set expectations for your customers is one piece of this that's helping a lot.
1: Well, as we initially scrambled and things gyrated really wildly, there almost wasn't a way to do that. But at a very high level, simply saying, hey, we are going to be behind in terms of being able to respond to your call in a timely fashion. So I think it's not less of a expected wait time equals 15 minutes Mm -hmm. versus it's going to be a long time and letting
0: me know before I even try. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and then I guess then maybe one more that we could add to the list would be awareness. It seems like the leaders that are aware and sort of trying to use foresight to even if it might not be precise, to be able to guess these things and communicate that is helping.
1: And on the converse side of this, we've got some industries where traffic is down. And so we had an inquiry last week from one insurance company that was saying, hey, you know, what should we do with our idle capacity? Should we call out to our customers to let them know we're here to help? If you think, for example, in the property and casualty business, we've got less car accidents. Well, that's actually good news but it also means that the companies that provide car insurance are processing less claims. Not many people are out buying cars right now, so there aren't that many requests for new car insurance policies. This particular inquiry was in the health insurance side, so uh, even though people are concerned about their coverage, at the same time, we aren't going to our regular dentist or doctor or physical or colonoscopy appointments So that regular volume of traffic about who's the right doctor and what is my coverage and can you help me locate an in-network provider? So the other side of this is recognizing what's the business environment, what's going on, what can we do with the resources that we have to help our customers in this time of
0: need? Mm -hmm. And what do you feel like those are some definitely some things that are working? Have you noticed anything that just fundamentally isn't working anymore? You know, I think that every tools that we have in our toolkit bag are all working. It's just that
1: they're under stress. I think, for example, if we've got 16 new call types coming in and we've got to develop a chatbot that completely handles those, that's going to take a bit more time to do that. Although some companies are being able to respond quickly and work 24 hours a day for three days and develop a very effective chatbot. But I think at the moment, simply a rapid frequently asked questions here's the top list and so it's just a a quick deflection and again taking the simpler stuff away from that valuable resource of agents but moving people home all the self-service options and tools that we have all the tools to assist agents you know they all fundamentally still work And we certainly with cloud resources can also scale for those organizations that need more scale. So, you know, as I think about it, some places where things are breaking, for organizations that have a lot of these technologies on-prem, it's a little harder to scale. Adding new licenses, well, not too much of a problem, but if I've got to add physical hardware resources, the supply chain for new servers and new routers and switches is a little stressed right now. And it's being prioritized for more critical functions. So when you're on-prem, there may be some things that are breaking, and you need to leverage a cloud service that can flex
0: more readily. Mm -hmm. What about, just again, for the sake of trying to avoid them, are you seeing maybe not just like straight things aren't working, but have you seen any mistakes that are being made that seem to be common? Well, I think that the initial scramble for
1: many, many of the companies that I've spoken to, and we're not talking thousands, we're talking millions of agents, once you add it all up, is first of all, get the agents home. In some cases, what breaks is what the agent has at home. It may not be the right technology if you're trying to make use of their own computer. Some industries don't like that, like in financial services or other regulated industries want a preferred device, one that's supplied by the company, but they don't have the supply so remote desktop virtual desktop vpn and being able to run an app on an older windows machine might be something that breaks on that end of things the other thing that breaks is that the old work at home agent model there needs to be a space where the agent can work it's an agent that for many work at home programs is one that's more seasoned and this is a Not necessarily a perk, but let's call it a retention. If you want more flexible work hours, you've earned the right to work at home. Now we're sending everybody home. So that environment where the agents are working today in some cases and where organizations have to cut some slack a little bit and customers actually may understand, there may be a dog barking or a baby crying or a six-year-old saying, mommy, I can't get my Zoom working to go to school. So the work at home environment is challenging when all of a sudden everybody goes home into a place where everybody is
0: home. What about, I mean, we've talked about that, uh, in general, a couple of times now, what from that specifically, like what is going on that could either, let's phrase it like this. What are businesses doing that is working and that is becoming successful for this mass exodus to home?
1: The, um. First thing, you know, getting everybody home and kind of working through that process. I mean, we're actually taking a look at this inside Forrester right now as far as, well, how many do we think and is it already done or is there still more to go as far as moving more of the agent population home? I just had an email exchange today with another one of our analysts and because I was sort of saying, is this advice now kind of done? Has the move already been made? But we still see a lot of movement in progress. But the sort of scramble first to get everybody home and out of here and work through any organizational concerns that are layered in on top of that, and then starting to normalize that. This is a different environment. And workforce managers are really challenged because an agent may not be able to work the same shifts that they used to because my homeschooling responsibility with my child overlaps for the first three hours of the morning. So can I work a split shift or can I work a later shift? As workforce managers learn about a crazy traffic environment and a crazy labor environment, They're starting to learn how to be more dynamic and more agile in terms of putting those forecasts, if they can possibly forecast, but also those schedules and and that agent population in the right place at the right time.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips in terms of the expectations that workforce managers should have in that regard? Because, I mean, even for me, speaking from uh, just personally, as I look at some of my friends and what they tell me their expectations are from their bosses. It just seems unrealistic when they have three young children at home or like daycare is no longer an option. So what what kind of expectations should we be having as leaders?
1: Well, I think there's no question that people are still going to want to have a job. And so they're still going to want to work. So they're probably going to raise their hand and say, this is when I can and this is how I can. So that's really important the issue that workforce managers are gonna have to have is, oh my gosh, how do I really now take a very diverse availability of a labor pool and start to match that with a schedule? Uh, You can't mandate it. You can't say to the agent, hey, you can only work if you send everybody out of the house. That is just totally unrealistic and you're gonna lose a ton of your labor force. So you have gotta reach them from an employee experience perspective. If you haven't already as a workforce manager utilized your workforce management system to do more split shift type of work and more sort of, hey, let's have some people who are available during this time in case we need them because we may have an unpredictable spike of traffic that we're going to ask them to log in quickly. That's the kind of dynamic environment that leadership needs to acknowledge Leadership needs to communicate to the workforce that you're very valuable, very needed. This is what the business environment is, that top-down communication, but really support the workforce managers to deal with much more dynamic scheduling. Mm
0: -hmm. And what kind of tools do you see these leaders using in order, like, I mean, there's sort of this emotional and personal support to it, um, an empathetic support to it, but what practical tools are we using in order to empower their workers?
1: So, I go back to workforce management systems that some organizations allow agents to bid and have some input on the scheduling. Not all do, but the workforce management software applications from a number of the leading companies, you know, provide this kind of shift bidding and a more agent-empowered model to raise their hands and bid on shifts. So, again, if people haven't utilized those modules or exercised that as a process, I'm sure they're learning now to do that. And I think another thing too, in terms of communicating, use of collaboration tools. So a video check-in with an agent, and when you check in, it doesn't have to be a completely clean room. In fact, you know, where are your kids? Let me see them. How you doing with the homeschooling when you're doing that? And it might be a bit more disruptive environment as opposed to the completely clean home office that we would like everybody to have, but just that visual check-in between supervisors, team leaders, and their agents, and maybe even a team call, you know, because the video conferencing tools like Zoom or WebEx and so on can allow for everybody to be on. So, you know, having that just, let's have a 15-minute coffee break, and all we're going to do is just check in not even really talk about the business it's just how's everybody doing
0: mm-hmm. are you seeing anything else in regards to the tools and like stuff that comes to mind for me might be like use of virtual assistants asynchronized messaging like some of the voice channel optimization anything else that's being put into place that's working
1: so you've named a number of one and these are all standard tools we've had in our toolkit all along it's just that well if we didn't deploy this maybe it's time now okay and i think the shift to async messaging that's a little bit hard to kind of roll out all of a sudden to support a whatsapp or a facebook messenger or one of those because your customers are going to need to be made aware that those channels are available now granted they provide some capabilities and such that agents can serve more than one customer at once like web chat. But I think the assistants, those take a little while to spin those up as well to make sure that they're tuned and they're doing the job. And when I say assistants, it's, you know, we've got many names as far as the customer facing ones, but also the agent desktop facing ones. So there could be ones that could face the agent, with the frequently asked questions for the COVID-19 type questions that are coming in. I think another tool that kind of goes unappreciated, in fact, there's two in some places in some industries. One is callback. It's always a great tool when you get peaks that you just really start to have service level meltdown. Offering callback. Now, the important thing about callback is that when you say you're going to, then do it and meet that promise. If you said you're gonna call me back at too, then do that. So there's a lot of callback best practices, but that can clip off the top of the peaks of traffic and potentially shift it to less busy times. So I see a number of organizations you know, rolling down the path of turning on callback. A second one is proactive notifications. Now, this takes some work in terms of business processes, but notifying your customers about certain activities or events or information, not spamming them, Okay, and notifying them over their channel of choice—so is it email, is it SMS, or some other messaging channel—can help inform, can help stave off some customer, you know, requests
0: because you've let them know. Do you see? Um, I want to make sure that all this information is fantastic, but I also want to make sure that we're providing some tangible, like more actionable advice. Of the things that we were just talking about, of these different tools that either were utilized or maybe need to be utilized, just given the situation, are you seeing certain ones emerge in certain? Like, what kind of correlations, I guess, do you see in the industry? As the airlines are using X, and the financial space is really benefiting from using Y, um, can you touch on that at all?
1: Yeah, I don't know that this is a vertical slice. I think the first place people go is automation. So that if there's, you know, we're having a meltdown in terms of traffic, what can we put on the front end not only to contain as we call it in the IVR world the customer request or at least do a better job of who are you intent determination and then routing. You may have a bunch of people who the COVID-19 type of requests, for example, payment renegotiation, that that's a traffic category that's spiking, tuning the chatbot on the front end to determine that that's what the customer is calling about, and maybe from a traffic management perspective, now having a dedicated group who specializes in that. So I think that the automation on the front end is kind of like first place people go, and sometimes we can only do FAQs, but in some instances, just like with this payment one I just mentioned, is a better way to traffic manage and, and move traffic to a distinct skill group. So that's mm-hmm. kind of, to me, the first place that people go,
0: and that's almost across all industries. Mm-hmm. Now that makes sense. And so as I'm sort of thinking it through as you talk, it sounds like Maybe it's not so much about and then tell me if I'm wrong, I I would love push back on this if I'm not hearing you correctly. It's not so much the ability to scale, but what I'm hearing is maybe more so the importance and the awareness of how to make that automation send you in the right direction. So you so customers and and workers can get to those answers quickly or get to where they need to be faster in a more scalable way. Mm -hmm. Is that more of it? Again, if there
1: is a better place where that answer is, can be presented to the customer. I mean, I'll give you an example here. A customer calls in the phone line and well, wait a minute, what's your question? And if you can sense which systems can do that they're on a mobile device and you've got the identity information that matches okay so we got your phone number you know can we send you a text message can we shift you send you a short url where there's a frequently asked question so you can get the answer to that question instead of staying and waiting in queue so it's that level of even starting to blend channels or shift traffic across channels it's just good old customer journey mapping But it's now under stress that a team has to really join together across all those silos. Look at the customer journeys. Look at where there's the traffic volumes. Look at where there's new journeys and continually being upgrading, designing, and optimizing those journeys. Mm -hmm.
0: And then just for the sake of the whole picture, are there any channels that you're seeing their utilization reduced or that it looks like maybe – projections show that their utilization will be reduced as we move into the future, given our circumstances?
1: Well, let me answer that from a very broad perspective. I I think that, and we've discussed earlier, this concept of forced familiarization. I'm someone who likes to call, I always call, I want to call, I want to talk to an agent, but it's like, man... I just don't want to wait 15 minutes in queue and I've been informed or I've been sent that tiny URL where I can interact with someone over a digital channel or get my question answered automatically on a digital channel. So I think that in the long run, and I say think, this is kind of the feeling of our research team here at Forrester that I've always been a proponent that you meet your customers on their channel of choice. And then we talk about the death of voice and voice is going to die and we're going to go all digital. And I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. But yes, voice is expensive. Voice is finding a place as being a very specialized channel for high empathy and high interaction. But I think the consumer population will be exposed to, because somewhat they may be forced to, digital channels whether they're self-service or their assisted channels, they'll start to learn how to use them where they hadn't perhaps been willing to in the past. So I think a longer term trend here is going to be a, and I'm not declaring all the death of voice for many organizations it still represents 70, 80% of the traffic. But now growth of digital channels is something that I, I really think is gonna happen really across most industries. Yeah, that's fascinating.
0: Thank you for listening to Elevating the Customer Experience, a podcast from Nuance. If you need help, especially given our current climate and new challenges, Nuance is here. You can schedule a session with one of our customer experience experts, or to learn more about how we're helping other organizations like yours, visit nuance.com forward slash catalyst hyphen four hyphen CX hyphen success. Don't worry, the link is in the show notes. Or you can email us at CXExperts at Nuance.com. Again, that's CXExperts at Nuance.com. In the next episode, R and I finish our conversation with suggested approaches on how to handle security and authentication, as well as thoughts on infrastructure capacity in the face of higher traffic volume.
1: This intraday firefight that workforce managers know is part of their job they dread it when it happens and their best practices as far as dealing with a big momentary or or just instant spike in volume that was unplanned they got to do this more because the gyrations in traffic are much more wild right now than what we might have seen in the past where there was okay there's a there's a
0: blizzard coming if you enjoyed this episode please share it with a colleague or someone else who could use this information The show is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Until next time.